The views and opinions expressed on the podcasting couch are solely those of the contributors and do not reflect those of our other guests, sponsors, or distributors. Appearances on this podcast should not be viewed as an endorsement of any other guests, past or future. Enjoy the show. Coming to you via the magic of the internet, it is episode 34 of the Podcasting Couch, a podcast in which I, your host, Chris Carlson, sit down with content creators and discuss their lives, inspirations, methodology, and anything else that may come up during the conversation. My guests this week are Kirsten and Elizabeth, hosts of Your Fave is Problematic, a podcast where the hosts take their favorite things from TV, movies, and pop culture and ruin it for you. Join these two friends as they discuss the racial, gender, and LGBT issues in our favorite media and decide if our favorites can stay faves or if they're just too problematic. This week, we discuss the distinction between criticism and condemnation, how to approach newer social topics with people, how to better yourself socially, and more. This week's song should be familiar to anyone who is a fan of my guests. I'm Doing Just Fine by Sierra and the Radicals. Sierra and the Radicals sound is a unique mixture between Taylor Swift and Florence and the Machine. The pop band formed in Los Angeles, California, consisting of Sierra Hoyerman, excuse me, Alex Bowers, Josh Henry, and Parker Wilmoth. Sierra and the Radicals released their EP June 30th, 2016, titled after the single Somewhere Between Here and There, winning the Academia Music Award for Best Pop and Folk Song. Somewhere Between Here and There EP features four of the group's original songs, artwork, and more. The band is now recording their new hit single for the summer, Do You Believe, with Grammy-winning producer Robert Ibach. Together, the band makes an amazing sound that supports emotional connection, catchiness, and uniqueness. Sierra and the Radicals are making an impact with their music and inspiring the world to feel the love that the band emits. We're going to listen to I'm Doing Just Fine and then jump right into my conversation with Kirsten and Elizabeth. This is the Podcasting Couch. We'll be right back. Doing these things to me 
Liz and the divorce. <laughs> True story. Uh, yeah, so I met Liz through one of my uh, one of my exes, and um, yeah, we just really hit it off and became pretty good friends. And um, as far as I don't know if you would add anything to that, but well, as far as starting like, a podcast, and then you guys broke up, and we yeah. were like, mm, we still like her though, so we're gonna keep yeah. seeing her. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. fine. And then we, you know, moved in together and started podcasting network. So, yeah, yeah. no. Well, you know, I win. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I haven't done anything productive with him yeah. in a few years. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's how I feel about it. Um, but, yeah, as far as I think, like, the starting a podcast, you know, Brad and, and her boyfriend both work in the alcohol industry. You said Brad and her boyfriend. Oh, wow. Brad awesome. is my boyfriend. Sure. <laughs> Listen, I had a long night last night. Liz and her boyfriend, Brad, <laughs> both work in the alcohol industry. And, yeah, we would just have these evenings where they would both, like like just kind of geek out on craft beer and or wine or whatever. Yeah. And they were having these really interesting conversations. And so I was like, this sounds like a podcast to me. So I was like, you guys, we should just start a podcast called, you know, well, I guess I'm going to have a name for it, but I was like, you know, basically that kind of centers around the idea of like demystifying fine wines and kind of desnobifying the culture around, you know, craft beer and things like that. And, and uh, yeah, so we started that podcast and it just kind of grew into um, a few other ideas that we that we liked. Yeah, I don't even know how I came up with the idea for your fave. I think I was driving somewhere and I was like, Kristen and I should have a podcast. But I think we were, I think we we're actually wine tasting in Santa Barbara. <laughs> and like, I think we we're on our second or third wine. I was like, Kristen, <laughs> we're going to start a podcast. It's going to be called Your Fave is Problematic. And you were just like, yeah, okay, I'm in. You're like, say no more. Yeah, I was like, that sounds great. And it's, I mean, it's really just an extension of conversations I think we would just have around our kitchen table, you know, on a Tuesday night when we were, you know, both didn't have much to do. And we'd just be like, it, whatever was trending on Facebook, people would be like, oh my God, this thing that this actor said was so terrible. And we would kind of inevitably look at it and be like, well, okay, but in the greater context, I don't think it's as, maybe not as bad as some people are trying to make it or be like, or fuck that person forever. That was awful. Yeah. But we spent a lot of time kind of contextualizing these things. And so we were like, no, we can just set up a microphone and <laughs> record ourselves, yeah. have these conversations. We are marginally funny people. Why <laughs> not? Why not share these conversations with the world? Every time someone tells us we're funny, I'm so flattered because I've never in my life considered myself a funny person. <laughs> but people will be like, you guys are so funny. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. Yeah, that is very flattering. It is. So um, I, I know uh, because I'm, I'm, I'm part of the uh, I'm, I'm a part of you guys' Facebook group. Um, and uh, I, I, I wanted to ask you, so I know that you have a a running list of uh of of listener submitted topics um but but i'm kind of curious about how when when the show first started um how you guys kind of went about deciding what topics to tackle and kind of uh to dovetail off of that sort of what goes into researching a topic I think we started, well, we started with our faves because yeah. it's called Your Fave is Problematic. And our, our pilot episode was Game of Thrones because we're both just 
rabid Game of Thrones fans, and we knew, we're like, oh, we can talk about this, 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 and this in the show. Right. And so we just kind of sat down, recorded it to see if there was anything there, and we're like, yeah, we can we can make this work. Yeah, I think we had a list of maybe like a dozen or so things, and we were like, oh, yeah, we can do this episode for, like, you know, surrounding this holiday, or, you know, um, and then I think, you know, as far as like, you know, the rest of the process is, it's a lot of either what's like coming up in the news, or, mm-hmm. um or yeah, things that people suggest to us, but I kind of liked the idea of like even revisiting things from our past, right? Like, I think we also had a conversation where it's like, yeah, I watched uh, Ace Ventura the other day, (laughs) and I remember loving this movie as a kid, and you watch it again, you're like, there's so much here that this just does not play well in 2017. It just doesn't. It's really offensive in a lot of ways. Well, that's like when we did our episode on The Breakfast Club, the number of people like tweeting at us or in the Facebook group who were like, oh my God, I love that movie and I haven't seen it in eight years and you guys are going to hurt my feelings. But then it was funny because that episode came out everyone was like, so can you guys do like the rest of the John Hughes movies now? <laughs> it's, it's funny how people are like, no, I love this too much. And they're like, but give me more yes it's a it's a it's kind of like a weird like catharsis i guess <laughs> on some level but it is for us too i think you know like i think that you want to just like to kind of like hang on to these things that you love and it's easy to not like it's easy to just kind of like well well that's fine and just to ignore the issues within it but i think that once you become you know for lack of a better term <laughs> woke <laughs> you know like once you have a more of a, a sense of social responsibility it's hard to watch those things and not react to them anymore and so i think we were both just trying to kind of like you know um find that balance there find like how much we can let slide maybe not let slide but how much we feel is like okay and how much you know if it gets to the point where we're just like this is yeah this is not only does this not play well this is actually not okay mm-hmm. yeah and i mean we're both of the opinion that if i only consumed 100 percent woke media i would There's watch nothing. no tv shows i would watch no movies i would read no books i would i wouldn't get to love any creators because everyone's problematic even your woke way. faves are problematic you know oh, what i mean like sure. even the people who are like on the level still fuck up and that's and that is okay mm-hmm. you know what i mean um i think that yeah context and intent intention matters yeah exactly i think i think i joked once just because we've we've started approaching topics where maybe like neither of us can like in our friends episode when we were talking about like the Jewishness of Rachel we were both kind of like I don't because neither of us are Jewish we were like this feels weird and wrong but I can't put my finger on it I don't want to speak for Jewish people and uh you know I, I'm constantly afraid of like putting my foot in my mouth on yeah. an issue that I haven't personally dealt with and can't speak to <laughs> and I think I made a joke at one point I was like we're gonna have to get real meta one day and do an episode about why we're problematic yeah no there's there is an upcoming episode of your famous problematic about your face problematic <laughs> that's in that's that's in the future yeah our, we're really lucky though so far our listeners like if we missed the mark on something um or didn't get something quite right they've been really good about being like hey um the way that maybe you talked about this was not quite right or this is a thing you overlooked so and that's kind of i think what we always wanted was for people to have those conversations mm-hmm. right i like that you know Liz has a thing that she says like this isn't the end of the conversation like this is Mm -hmm. this is the beginning and so we're just you know we're all like here and we're all learning and we're all trying to parse this stuff and figure it out and so yeah we want we love that people you know come to the Facebook group and continue those discussions Mm -hmm. because that's really what we're trying to encourage is just to like you know to do that in your own life too it's just like just think about it just like you know yeah parse it a little bit try and dig a little deeper 
Right. And I think, you know, what I what I like about the show is is something that I think a lot of people who are um, kind of what, what they describe themselves as like the the, I guess, anti PC kind of crowd. I think one thing that they miss the mark on a lot is the the, the lack of understanding that criticism is not condemnation. Um, right. And I think your show embodies that really well in, in that, uh, you know, it, it is like you're saying, we can have these conversations about these topics without having to say like, therefore bad period. But it, it, yeah. it, it it's like you said, it's a conversation about, well, this is why this might be a little bit questionable. And, and just, uh, I, I think, the first step is sort of realizing that those things are there um, and that it doesn't mean that you can't enjoy it. It just kind of like acknowledge that it's there. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I think that there's no use in putting your head in the sand at all. Yeah. And on the flip side, um, you know, it's not black and white. Most things aren't just bad period. Right. A lot of the things that we've covered have also you know, done something good in terms of like representation of women or people of color, LGBT issues or whatever, like they don't get it all wrong. And there's, there's value. in I think seeing the gray area there and then trying to decide, you know, trying to walk that line. Like, is this too much for me or is, or am I still okay with it? Yeah. Well, I think we did uh, one of our super early episodes was on Margaret Sanger. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like there are some questionable things about like, you know, was did she was she a supporter of eugenics? Was she, you know, like was she a racist? And also, you know, you have to like weigh that against like a are those things true? But like weigh it against like what she was able to do for, you know, women as a whole. And so you kind of, I think I, I think our quote for that week was like, you can't throw the baby out with the racist bathwater, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> and and yeah, that's that's part of it. You know, like we can you can still have respect for things and maybe even on some level irreverence. I mean, this is, this is just the nature of this country too. I mean, like think of our four, you know, our founding fathers. So these are people that we revere for their great ideals and they were still co- incredibly flawed men. Yeah. And you, you have to, I mean, we, we already know how to parse these things. We can apply them to pop culture as well. We can apply them to the different, you know, the people in our lives. We do that all the time. Right. Well, the beauty about pop culture too, is most of these people aren't dead. They can get <laughs> You know, yeah. as we like to say, they can do, do better. better. Right. When you know better, you are, you should do better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I think, you know, what's, what's interesting is you'd mentioned, um, and this kind of ties into, uh, at the time that we're recording this, the, the latest episode, which was, uh, your Louis CK episode. Um, and, and mm-hmm. you were just talking about the founding, I guess this is kind of a stretch to tie in, but, um, you talked about the founding fathers and it kind of made me think of, um, you know, Daniel Tosh has a bit on that, um, talking about, uh, how it's okay to shit on the founding fathers because they were a bunch of racists that had a handful of good ideas and, and <laughs> So, like, it doesn't mean they're immune from criticism. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. And the thing, again, we these are things that we are already doing in other aspects of our life. And so I think it's fine to, to invite that into, into you know, uh, a lens of the things that we like to consume for pleasure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I, I know um, one other thing that I really enjoy about this, you know, because I, um, I grew up 
and still live in uh, Idaho. And it's, you know, that's a very red state. It's Mm -hmm. solidly red. It's been solidly red. It's probably always going to be solidly red. Um, And I grew up with a kind of uh, a sort of mixed political family. Um, My mom has always been pretty liberal and uh my dad i'm coming to terms with finding out as i get a little older and look back on things that he might be a little racist um oh no yeah <laughs> so um well he because he and this <laughs> is gonna sound like i'm making excuses because i'm trying to i'm still trying to kind of parse it all in my head personally because i haven't talked to him yeah. in a while um but you know he he came up in the construction industry um which kind of you know, sort of ties in with the immigration issues that we have. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, And so like the older that I get now, I look back on some of the things that he said um, and I'm like, ah, that he, I don't know about this. And so, um, you know, I, I like shows like yours that kind of have this sort of, um, I guess not meme kind of approach to, uh, yeah acknowledging i I hear what you're saying yeah uh because the first episode that i i I had heard was um the scott pilgrim episode i'm Mm. a huge fan of the of that movie and you know a lot of the things that were brought up in that were things that i never even thought about because of the uh the sort of way that i've experienced life you know um right and and so i think it's just interesting to bring how you bring different perspectives to, to these topics. I think between the two of us, we cover a lot of groups, not all of them, but you know, we, we, we covered some, we covered pretty, some of the heady, the heavy hitters, the heavy hitters, yeah, if you will, exactly. of marginalized groups. <laughs> exactly. And, um, you know, we, we try to do our research on things that maybe we don't cover. Um, the episode that was actually coming out on Tuesday, um, we have a friend who guested with us on there who is Jewish and very specifically was like, I want to talk about a topic that has an issue with how they portray Jews. And so we got to talk about that. It was really nice having, and it was stuff that we would have never, ever, I never would have picked up on. Figured out. Like, I just went straight over my head when I was watching the movie. And so it was really nice to have her there. And I know, I think like long-term, you know, getting in other perspectives that maybe we don't have is something that we might try to do more on the show. But, you know, we, we try to get it because everyone's got a different social location and perspective and lived experience. So, you know. Yeah. You know, and to, to kind of, to, to like throw back a little bit to, you know, the, you, you being in Idaho, um, you know, like Liz and I both were born and raised in Texas, you know, which Mm is, I mean, I'm from Austin, which is slightly, I mean, like people talk about Austin as being the liberal aces, but Austin is still a very segregated city Mm -hmm. and there are still racists in Austin, Texas, and there are still misogynists in Austin, Texas, and there are still homophobes and Islamophobes and all that stuff still exists. And, and so I think that maybe it's a, it's, it's something that, when you are a progressive person or a more liberal leading person and you are in one of those environments that you kind of have to learn not necessarily how to like, because we certainly, we, we, we make, we don't want to be apologists ever. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, I think that we like to confront things head on, but like, I think that, you know, when you grow up in, in environments like that, like my parents are from Southeast Texas. And so there's definitely some issues there. You have to learn how to, you have to learn how you have to learn how to understand how people arrive at their perspectives and understand that sometimes it is 
not necessarily the, their prejudice. It is maybe a, a, a lack of education or um, a lack of diversity and where, you know, where they live or were raised or grew up, you know, like, for instance, I was talking to one of my own cousins, a black woman who was a teacher, and we were talking about um, the Confederate statues. And she, she was like, I don't understand why people are so upset about these Confederate statues. And the thing is, like, you know, but when you grow up in a school system that teaches you that, like, you know, that doesn't tell you the truth about slavery, and you know that slavery is bad, but you don't understand, like, the difference between, like, you know, a statue honors these men as opposed to like taking down the statue is erasing history. Like there's a difference between honoring the people who perpetrated a crime and honoring the victims. And so like, I just started like, you know, I don't think that she is a racist. Obviously she's a black woman, (laughs) but she has been raised in a certain environment and the people around her are sending her and have always taught her these kind of like mixed and definitely slightly untrue messages. And so I just started sending her links to things about like, this is a history of how those statues went up and this is why they went up. And this is like the history of, you know, like the daughters of the, um, the the confederacy Mm -hmm. like literally intentionally like it was their intent to change history about the cause of the south like you know the lost cause narrative and like these are the things that that we have been taught and we are we just don't know the truth and it's not that people always have the worst intentions it's that sometimes they just don't know better and they they can't do better until they know better i know it's a bit rambling but no no i totally agree and it's funny because i mean i'm also from texas i'm from the dallas area which again pretty liberal metroplex but um my parents aren't texans my mom's german and my dad's from new york city so both pretty liberal individuals but you know even with that like having them having conversations about things sometimes i'm like and it's just because they're of a different generation. Um, I was on the phone with my dad a couple weeks ago, and he was telling me about how he saw the movie Tangerine, which is about uh, transgendered sex workers in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And he was telling about it. It was so funny because I could tell there was no prejudice towards them being either sex workers or transgendered individuals. Like, he wasn't like, hey, that's a, how about those, like, weird cross-dressers yeah. who are prostitutes, you know, who are whores? It wasn't anything like that. It was... You, he just didn't have the vocabulary to talk about right. it. And no one had probably ever taken the time to be like, this is how you, you know, use pronouns for trans people. And this is like uh, things you need to know about being a sex worker and the risks that they face and that kind of stuff. And it was, it's just interesting because I think even if you do come from a liberal family, mm-hmm. you still ex- experience that, you know, it doesn't have to be like your conservative racist uncle. It can be anyone. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I come from a family of like yellow dog Democrats, you know, cause we're black people in Texas, of course, you <laughs> <go> Democrat, <laughs> you know, but that also comes with like, you know, I also come from a fairly religious family. And so that comes with its own set of, you know, of, of prejudices sometimes. Sure. Um, so yeah, I, people are, people are nuanced beings, you know, yeah. we contain multitudes, most of us, mm-hmm. and you have to, you have to kind of take that, I think, into, into account. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I think it's, it's about being compassionate with people. And also there, there is a little, I think a level of classism sometimes when it comes to us being like, well, you're not using the exact appropriate term mm-hmm. where like, I mean, like, uh, you know, there are plenty of people who've grown up and who have spent a lot of time in academia and are able to like assign the appropriate term to things. And certainly Google is an option, Sure, but like, that's not, that's not everyone's life. Man. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like not everyone is sitting down reading like, you know, like justice theory about like, you know, about 
different classes or about like, you know, feminist movements or about um, racial movements. And you have to kind of meet people where, they're, where they are sometimes. Yeah. And I mean, like, this is kind of a hot take maybe, but I don't, I, you know, I don't think when you come for people, I don't think it helps anyone. And I know this is gets into the the logistics of like placing the burden on the marginalized people like right. it shouldn't be their duty to teach it to their oppressors but also if you just come for people in a really aggressive way they're they're not going to respond to that because when you do that people's feelings get hurt and they shut down like that's what most people do most people are not you know they're going to have a reaction so yeah you, you're right you have to meet people where you are and you have to to talk to them on their level and have be willing to have an actual conversation with them. Right. Well, I think that, that, that I actually like got away is, from the question. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, fine. that's what I like about this whole thing. You it's know, entirely it, my fault. It, it leads into, it's a conversation. And, um, you know, what I, what I like about what you said there, um, about coming at people and kind of the, this sort of, I guess, balance that needs to, to be found in it is, um, it, it is you look at like, internet culture like um for instance uh i i think they're red pillars um you know how many of those (laughs) how many of those people were were and this is like you said you don't want to apologize for these people necessarily but this is what i meant earlier by a kind of like a, a a meme sort of way about coming at these things you know if if you're overly aggressive uh, how many people who who would come around sort of get get pushed away um and and it is it, it is kind of interesting trying to find that balance because i think um you know the idea of the sort of like social consciousness that's that's um coming about is is shouldn't be but is sort of a newer concept in a lot of ways um Mm-hmm. It's definitely being brought more to the forefront than it has before. And I think a lot of people tend to push back because they've always been raised one way and are suddenly hearing that all of that was wrong. And I guess people can kind of tend to get defensive and get into their corners about that kind of stuff. Um, and so it, it it is difficult trying to find the balance between, you know, telling someone hey you're wrong for talking about this this way and and sort of but at the same time saying and i don't want to condemn you for it but i want to help you be better and i don't know it 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 is kind of hard to to find that balance like I don't know. I'm having trouble finding my, my words for think, it. No, I think I, you know, it, there, it is really difficult. I think, I think really what it boils down to is, you know, I find at least for me, like nine times out of 10, you can tell what someone's in, intentions are. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if you know that someone is there just trolling you and is like, just doesn't give a shit. And, you know, it's just like basically trying to pick a fight for the purpose of picking a fight. Mm-hmm. Then I feel a, a lot more comfortable just being like, you know, like just either not engaging with it because it's not worth my time and energy or just being like, yeah, fuck off. But there are people who genuinely are trying to learn. And listen, I, I am a black queer woman. Like the number of hours of my life that I have devoted to trying to help people understand my humanity and like how to interact with me, it can be very exhausting. But right. that doesn't mean that it's not a worthwhile task. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And like sometimes I can, sometimes I am, I am, you know, feeling up to doing it, and sometimes I'm not. Um, and so yeah, it can be, it can be 
a very difficult line to walk. And, you know, it's one of those things where like, I've gotten to the point now where I try not to respond if I if I'm feeling if I can, if I think someone's intentions are good, but I feel like I can't, I'm just not in the place to be able to do the work. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and if they've said something that I find particularly offensive and yeah, I'll just, a lot of times I'll just step away because I know that I'm not going to be responding in like from an earnest or sincere place, I will be responding out of annoyance and anger. Yeah. And that's not going to help anyone. <laughs> right. Yeah. Some people aren't interested in having their minds changed. Right. And you know, I think it's usually pretty clear uh, if someone's, interested or not my my tactic these days is usually like here's a three paragraph essay and like you're either gonna you're either gonna read this or you're just gonna be like her her you're dumb and like if the latter is your response like i'm not engaging anymore like i gave you a chance to be like hey i told you like why this was a problematic thing you said or did and if you come back at me with you know malice then i'm just you know, I don't, I have, I don't need to get my blood pressure up over you. Right. Actually, I saw this really well articulated in a group that I'm in. So someone was saying that, and I, this is something I think that I may adopt moving forward because it, it makes a lot of sense to me. So like we were talking about people like maybe um, using the wrong terms for something or not fully understanding like a definition of of something that is problematic. You know, that is the kind of stuff that Google is for, like mm-hmm. to teach you. If you want to read up on that and then ask me about my experiences that's mm. something that I'm willing to respond to. That's something that I'm able to kind of like basically like season, you know, color that sure. con- that that context for you. But like, you know, like if you're going to be an ally, if you're going to say that this is something that's important to me to understand, you can do the bare minimum of typing it into a Google search bar. Absolutely. Right. And then if you need the nuance, if you need the anecdotes that I can provide for you. And that is something that generally I think most people feel more comfortable with anyway than mm-hmm. having to go, this is what, you know, misogynoir means. This yeah. is what, you know, uh, this is what, you know, being a turf is. You know what I mean? Like just, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the way I, I think that I, it sounds like a good approach to me. That sounds good too. And I know, I mean, I think also too, having a community of good people around you is also really important. I know um, there have been times where someone will post something on my Facebook wall and I'll just be like, I don't have the mental energy mm-hmm. to deal with this right now. And I just put it away and I, I come back a couple hours later, lo and behold, I've had like eight other of my friends come in and be like, let me break this down for you because she shouldn't have to justify herself to you right now. But like, I'm going to tell you why what you said was hurtful to her. And I was always just like, oh, thank God for these wonderful friends I've surrounded (laughs) myself with who are, you know, you know, you got to look out for each other, right? There's also some groups on Facebook. There's a white nonsense nonsense (laughs) roundup. And God, God bless those ladies. They are doing the Lord's work where it's just like, you know, like someone's like shitty uncle will come through a comment thread (laughs) and be like, well, it's like, what about black on black crime? (laughs) And you just tag in white nonsense roundup. And these two, these two white ladies come in and they just, they school other white folks on like they're on you know and like actually i shouldn't say like it's not like a read or anything like they're not rude they literally are coming in with the purpose of trying to get people to understand yeah but they, they have like but, articles and facts right but their purpose is to, is to do that emotional labor on so that so that people of color don't have to mm-hmm. and uh i love them for it uh there's also an organization called surge standing up for racial justice which is literally an, or- an organization whose mission is it is Founded by white people, it is for white people to answer the, like when, you know, well-meaning white people go, well, what can we do or how Mm. can we help? Like, it is a website full of resources, like, from white people to other white people to be like, this isn't, like, this isn't something that black people should have to 
answer or explain like you know we are the progenitors of racism and it is our responsibility to educate ourselves and and come up with ways to dismantle systemic racism Mm -hmm. and so we are providing you with that answer but don't task people of color with that Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's um there's another group called Safety Pin Box, and I think that one's actually created by people of color for white people. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did a great interview on stuff Mom never told you not too long ago, and I had never heard of them, but they have an awesome mission, and they're they you know have started uh, doing it's like a subscription box, yeah, that yeah, you pay for, and they've been really intentional about like the profits from that going towards like black communities and that kind of stuff, like really funneling that money back towards um, helping people of color rather than just like sitting on money or whatever yeah it like they have a really cool mission i i i know um like i think one of the one of the big parts of it is also having having these kind of difficult conversations you know like i i uh personal experiences like i said growing up um i i grew up in the nampa boise area here in here in idaho which is kind of um sort of purple ish uh it definitely <laughs> it definitely leans red but i think like this last election i think one of it's magenta yeah i think one of our districts <laughs> almost went to clinton um which is progress <laughs> yeah that's how oklahoma is where i went to college so yeah yeah mm-hmm. but i feel that you, know, you just so, pray oklahoma city goes blue if anything yeah so growing up in that you know in in that sort of environment um i've got a lot of family that i still need to kind of explain uh no you don't need to see president obama's birth certificate yes that is racist <laughs> oh, gotcha. this is why um no, just because uh, Sheriff Clark is black doesn't mean that it's not still racist to talk about it. Um, oh, and, oh, God. And, and you know, um, yeah. and those are kind of difficult conversations to have um, because I think a lot of people, you know, don't want to see um, their their aunt or their grandma as this uh, bad person. But you have to kind of ask yourself, well, how much of it is a product of her environment and how much of it is she wants to dig her heels in on this right. um, and then kind of trying to figure that yeah. out. You know, I, so it's, yeah, it's, they're not always fun conversations to have, but I think, uh, like you said, you know, they're, it's kind of necessary. Um, but it is difficult to, uh, I still struggle sometimes um, cause there, there are times where I just want to, you know, break it down and just go, okay, you're, you're not going to be swayed on this one. Fine. You know, but, um, you know, these topics like, uh, like how do we, how do we cover the idea of systemic racism with somebody who can't acknowledge like, oh, well, just because the president said that they were fine people doesn't mean that he was supporting white nationalists. Like these people who sort of need it spelled out or that if it's not blatant racial slurs, then how can it be racist? Um, And I think, I think that (laughs) inherently people, I shouldn't say this. I was going to say, I think people are lazy and dumb. No, (laughs) 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 but I mean, kind of, 
Like, do I mean? So I think that, listen, life is hard and we all have a bunch of shit to do, right? And like, most of the time, most people are living paycheck to paycheck and worried about like having to just like support their kids and get into school and like, whatever, right? And so I think a lot of times, and this may sound really condescending, and I may be like, hey, Chris, can you just edit this out? Um, but I think honestly, a lot of times it is easier for someone to hand you an answer, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it takes time and energy to investigate things really deeply and then to think about the nuance of it. And sometimes, well, then to and this is your behavior after that. Right. Like, and sometimes, literally, no shade, people don't have time yeah. for a lot of that. You know, like, and so they go, okay, well, I like this person and I agree with them. And so more than likely they're right. And listen, this is across the political spectrum. This is across every race and religion and creed or whatever. Like people, all kinds of people do this where they go, I like that person and I generally agree with them. And so I'm just, if they say it, then it's probably true, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. They do this with their churches. They do it with their politics. And, you know, until they make an intentional effort to to look a little deeper than it, then they just kind of live in that space. And, and as long as, you know, and it, and it's okay and it's safe and it doesn't challenge you. And so it's, you know what I mean? Like it's not a lot of emotional labor and, and it's a, it's an easy place in which to live. And I think that honestly, the majority of us live there. Well, and it's so easy to live there when it's not staring you right in the face. Right. right? Like, and a lot, when you think about a lot of these States that are red, they're very rural. They're very predominantly white. Mm-hmm. They don't know people of color or, you know, like they just, they, they're not exposed to them every day. They're not, right. they have their one black friend that they talk about every time they say that they're not racist and that's it. And the thing is like, and th- that's does that I think it's, it's, it's hard for us to understand that like, you know, that doesn't make them bad people and it doesn't make them racist. That literally, like, they are also, like, not, I don't want to say victims, but they are also, like, that is a direct result of systemic racism. The reason that their suburbs sure. are white is because of redlining, mm-hmm. right? Like, that is it was a federal policy. It is, so, like, it's not an accident that these white people are living in these white enclaves with no other people of color around and going out and, like, meeting people of color, and I imagine in a place like Idaho, when you live in, like, a like a lily-white suburb, is going to be tough. Well, it's mm-hmm. tough everywhere, I guess, if you're in a lily-white suburb. But do you know what I mean? And, and so... That is not the result of any malice on the on those people's parts, but that is a place. That it's it's a thing that is the result of systemic racism, right? And it is insidious in so many different forms, and it and it stretches out into so many different aspects of people's life that they don't see. And the result is that you have people who are in these like monochromatic communities, and they don't know anybody who's not Christian, they don't know anybody who's not white, or you know, you whatever, know, yeah, right, and or who's gay. And so, yeah, and so you get to live this comfortable life and, and breaking out of that even in a little bit is, is requires a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. You have to want to do it. Yeah, for and sure. And then you have to want to understand other people's perspectives. So, you know, it is it is not something that I think that it's hard for me to judge those people harshly. It is just, again, the insidiousness of systemic institutionalized racist policies that have been in place forever. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I think the uh, another part of it that can get a little bit intimidating to sort of is, you know, it's like the, these these it's like levels upon levels of problems where it's like you said, it's a systemic thing. They grew up uh, believing these things. So you suddenly are confronted with your whole life was a little wrong. You have to admit that you were wrong. You have to make the effort to change. And, and and on top of that, you know, once if you're someone who maybe entertains those ideas, if you've hit that point, you know, I uh, 
I'm experiencing, you know, that, that you still learn, you know, um, there, there are still mm-hmm. things that, uh, like during this, this last, uh, primary, you know, uh, I, I had to learn when people were saying, oh, well, you know, uh, Bernie Sanders, his uh, stances uh, on racial equality maybe aren't quite there. And I had to, you know, step back and go, well, why is that? I don't, I don't understand that. And so, um, because it's, like you said, it's something that I've never had to deal with personally. Um, It's something that's never stared me in the face. Uh, Growing up, you know, my, my, mother is is uh half mexican and so i and my dad is full-on white and so um (laughs) i never i i I got to be exposed to mexican culture growing up but never had to deal with the problem part of it because i don't look the part at all so so that was never an issue that i had to deal with and and so i think yeah, it's it's that you're always learning and it's never you never know everything. And so I think that's also kind of a, a daunting part of of trying to be on the right side of these issues. Um it's kind of always admitting I that think, you're a little wrong maybe. I, yeah, I yeah, know for sure. And I think too, especially now living in Trump's America, I think for a lot of people who enjoy a lot of privilege and maybe we, you know, there weren't white nationalists marching in the street. You could kind of be like, we have a black president. We've, you know, most like, yeah, there's still some problems, but we're, we're made, we've made great progress. We're mostly moving past it. And I mean, I think we're all pretty awake and aware that that's not true at this point, but I think, you know, right at the beginning of, you know, right after the election and around the inauguration, it was like really paralyzing. I think you were like, oh my God, there are so many things that are so wrong. And I don't know how I, one person can make any effective change. It was like information overload. And you just, it was easier to just kind of sit (laughs) and just be scared sometimes than to try and do something. And I think it's, it's hard, especially again, when you enjoy a lot of privilege, um, and, you know, and then there's also this fear of, am I going to be a bad ally? Right. Cause mm-hmm. you want to help people, but you're also like, I don't want to do more damage, even if I'm well-meaning. Right. Sure. Listen, no one likes getting things wrong. <laughs> I really hate it. I do. I hate it so much. Um, <laughs> but yeah. And I think that, you're, I mean, like most of us have, like, I think a pretty natural, healthy fear of like a fucking up when we're trying to, you know, when we have the best of intentions. And I think that's fine. I also think that, you know, like we have to think of this work as, you know, this, it is, it is work. Like being an ally is not an easy thing. Like fighting for justice is not an easy thing. It never has been. And it, you know, historically and really up until very recently has been like the exclusive domain of those marginalized and oppressed people. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you know, like even like talking, like even hearing you say now, like, oh, well, you know, like we thought things were fine because Obama was president. And I think most people did feel that way. But I think if you talk to most like black people, they're like, listen, Trayvon Martin was shot while Obama was president. Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like there was plenty of shit going on. And it kind of I think that, you know, it kind of felt like (laughs) I will say the one upside, maybe like silver (laughs) lining of Trump being elected. It was like 
it was like all of the shit that like black people had been saying for decades. It was like white people finally got it. Yeah. They're like, oh fuck, that's wrong. This is wrong. And we're like, yep, yep. You guys are finally <laughs> on board now. You're finally getting it. You know, like we're <laughs> you know that police brutality thing we've been talking about forever that you you know quite a turn a blind eye to. Yeah, that's a real issue. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I think that you're right. It is. It comes from a place of privilege, but I think that. If we're going to say that we're going to do the work, we have to accept that it's go- you're going to fuck up and it's going to be hard. And it's something that even I have had to confront myself as like my my own, you know, sexism or like not fully understanding, um, you know, like uh, issues of transgendered people. And that's something that I am still yeah. learning about or like, you know, gender non-conforming or non-binary genders. Uh, and it's something that I still am trying to teach myself about. And I'm going to fuck up. I know this. But it's better than not like fucking up and apologizing and doing better it has got to be better than just not caring. Yeah, I mm-hmm. agree. And people have to just understand that like being wrong is not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. And I think that ties right back into that idea of of sort of how to properly address when someone fucks up, you know, because um, you could be somebody who um, uh, is trying to be an ally and does something wrong. And if, if someone comes at you and goes, that's not how you do it, you this you're awful, you're bad for this, and you're doing all these other things that you're trying to be an ally, then you're like, whoa, well, fuck, then I'm just you know, not necessarily the right answer. And I don't want to say it's a justification, but if you get attacked on it, you may be like, well, then why am I even trying to help on this topic if I don't know anything about it? So I think you have to be careful in, in that you don't shut out people who can help or who are willing to help. And, 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 and you have to be willing to, again, have those, those difficult conversations of, I get where you're coming from, but here's why you're wrong. And, and yeah, I think it's work on both sides mm-hmm. is, is really what it boils down to, right? Like, so people who who maybe have every right to respond in anger and frustration have to, um, you know, like, you're right. I think that if you are attacking someone and and you have, see them have a negative reaction to that, you can't be all that surprised. And that's just something that you have to understand. I think the other side of that, though, is that if somebody, you know, if someone is hurt and they're lashing out in that way, and you go, well, maybe I don't want to do this anymore. It's also your responsibility to push past that because what we're talking about are ideals that basically for the most part are right or wrong, right? Are you a good person? And do you understand that this is a problem? And is someone being mean to you? Are your feelings more important than doing the right thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think a lot of times people, it's a, it's a, such a sensitive subject. Yeah. I think people just get in their feelings about yeah, it, which absolutely. is okay. You're allowed to have feelings about it, but I think you have to see past those sometimes and what kind of what's the greater purpose. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. It's, it's very much about not about, yeah. Learning. I think about not, not centering your own, like, you know, people are fighting for their lives. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, there are moments where your feelings don't matter more than their lives do. Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. Don't, don't like put your feelings in hurt on Facebook. Cause someone called you out over their like everyday struggle. Right. Yeah. But no, I mean, like, I get it. No one likes being reacted to in a negative and mean way. mm -hmm. And I think you're right. You are going to alienate some people. And my hope is that they can sit in that that, that feeling, that frustration for a minute and then choose to push past it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it it, it does become kind of that that balancing act of responsibility as well. Um, It's... 
<laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not coming up with words all of a sudden. My, um, <laughs> <laughs> words are hard sometimes. It's okay. Yeah, they can be. I struggle <laughs> with them too. <laughs> but but yeah, it, it is. It, it does seem like a, a balancing act. And, and you know, I I speak as uh, somebody who you know I look back on uh, some things that I said when I was a kid and thank. Thank God social media wasn't as ubiquitous as it is today. Oh, uh, oh I am boy, so grateful for that. My <laughs> thank Do you guys realize that in like 10 years, all the people running for Senate and stuff will have had Twitters and oh. Facebooks and MySpaces and all the shit <laughs> that they've ever put out there? Listen, this <laughs> now be a, time, a good time to start an oppo research firm. I mean, like... <laughs> As long as you know how to use social media, you can make you can make some pretty good money. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, just digging up dirt. I mean, like that's the worst kind of work ever, and I would never like. But you could be the person who digs up dirt for the person. Be like, hey, I found these shitty tweets you put out. You better go delete them now. Oh yeah, no, people definitely hire oppo teams do, for themselves. Do that first. Do that for them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, if you're I, smart. You do. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Well, I, no, I am extremely grateful that m- most of my adolescence is hopefully not ever going to be written in a diary somewhere, like yeah, in the summer. I mean, <laughs> there was a Zanga that probably has some problematic shit that I wrote in like middle school or high school. Um, but no one's even on Zanga anymore. It's basically defunct at this point, I think. So it's the internet fine. is forever, Liz. <laughs> no, oh. well, I'm not going to tell anyone what my old username was. So good luck finding it. <laughs> well, I know growing up, you know, I look at things like, um, like I, and I think this was the, the, sus- sort of uh, a bit of a societal thing as well was you know like uh the word retard you know i remember throwing throwing that around very liberally when i was younger and and now uh you know i i look back like um like at stand-up even from uh just Mm -hmm. like five ten years ago um i was listening to i i can't it was i was listening to ralphie may the other day um after he had died and I was listening to some of his old standup yeah. and it's very jarring to hear those things now, which I think is, is good. It's good progress. Um, right. But you know, I remember laughing at like when, when Ralphie may would talk about, Oh, blah, 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 tard strength or something. And I was like, Whoa, now listening to yeah. that, you know, it's, it is something that really pulls you out of it. Um, yeah. Well, it's like I was in high school in the heyday of saying that's so gay mm-hmm. to be like, that's really dumb. Mm-hmm. Like, man, I am real glad I don't have, you know, a recording of me saying that a bunch in high school because I definitely said it. I had gay friends who said it. In fact, they would just be like, oh, that's so gay. You know, there was a point where like I had kind of like woken up to that. That wasn't a cool thing to say. And they would still say it. I'd kind of, I'd kind of like look at them and be like, mm, are, are you sure that's, that's what you want to say? So, yeah, it's. I think I think with the internet too, I think people are kind of catching wise to stuff faster than they used to. Yeah. So it, it is amazing how um, even like five years later, you can go watch like a movie or something and they'll say something and you're like, oh no, that- You brought that up in Scott Pilgrim. She yeah, says she that. says, yeah. She- uh, Alison Pill's character says that and I was like, it was jarring to me. It was, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so was. yeah, I, I think that's a, it's it's a good thing that those things are, are jarring now, mm-hmm. even in such a short span of time. That was what, 2009? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. I think one of the other things that's kind of can be a little bit difficult about about moving forward in, in that kind of stuff is like, like you just said about the uh, calling things gay and then having 
gay friends who said that, you know, um, looking at, at the, the word retard, I, I was, uh, dating a girl whose little brother had a learning disability and their whole family threw that word around all the, not about him, obviously, but, um, just casually called things, you know, retarded all the time. And so, Mm -hmm. um, And that was at a time when I was learning, like, uh, that's not the best word to be using. And, and it's kind of, my boss actually said it the other day and I was like, Oh, (laughs) (laughs) it hurt a little bit. (laughs) It it becomes that other question. That's a little bit, I, I think, um, I don't know if there's a clear answer for of when you meet people who that word, uh, applies to. And they're using it in a in a uh, a sort of problematic way. Like, where is your responsibility, and where is your uh, sort of uh, I I don't know the right word. Like, I guess where is yeah, it your no, no, place no. I, I get, to correct? I get what them? you're saying. I get what you're saying. I think it's hard because. Well, okay, for one, like, people can, like, eternalize oppression, right? Sure, like, yeah. There's plenty of women out there who will tell you that if a girl got raped, she should look at what she was wearing because she's probably asking for it. So, you know, there are absolutely people who are going to be part of those groups and then still use words like that. Um, as to what to do about it, I don't know that I have an answer. I Here's my thing. I think that, like, yeah, there is there is internalized sexism and certainly internalized racism. I'm not really here for the idea that you get to tell marginalized groups how, like how they, how they get to feel or use terms that are, that are thrown at them. Like I'm a black person. I say the N word with my family and my friends. Like I do, I listen to podcasts where they say it. I listen to music where they say it. And I frankly would not (laughs) really be here for anybody who wasn't black telling me about how to use that word. Um, And even if they did, I probably would tell them to shut up and go to hell. (laughs) You know what I mean? But like, but I've also been called that word. So like, to me, like, you don't get to necessarily tell me how to, you know, if I think if a group wants to reclaim a word mm-hmm. and you feel uncomfortable with that, that's fine. You get to feel uncomfortable, but you don't get to tell them what their own relationship with that word is. That That's, that's my a good opinion. answer. Yeah, that is, that is a good answer. I, 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 I think where I come from on it and, and, kind of more just broadly um, and, and the more sort of abstract words and, and, and phrases is sort of mm-hmm. that, um, you know, when we, we talk about um, like uh, going back to like, for instance, the, that's so gay um, being a part of kind of the, the cultural zeitgeist, you know, um, is, kind of trying to figure out if the the other person is thinking of it that way i guess or if it is um viewed in that negative light you know um i think right like in that in the in the in the different context of Mm -hmm. or maybe the larger context the larger societal context of using it exactly um you're saying yeah, because yeah, I think there are some there are some words and topics where we can look at it and objectively go, well, of course you wouldn't tell someone how to use that and how not to use that. But I think that there are also some that are a little bit more abstract, um, and uh, I think that's why again these kind of conversations are so valuable to have, um, is because these are things that sort of uh, you know 
we are parsing out and the generation after us will be parsing and, and the generation after them will be trying to figure these things out and wade these sort sure, of there'll be a whole new set of terms I yeah, think, yeah. Sure. <laughs> that they'll have well to parse. and i mean i think <laughs> i think there are moments where you can just ask like hey i noticed that you said this and that's kind of puzzling to me do you mind sharing why you feel okay saying that word or that phrase because from where i sit i don't quite understand it because if you have a relationship with a friend who a gay friend who says that's so gay you'd be like hey that's interesting to me. I'd be interested in hearing why you, not in an accusatory way, but yeah. just like as a way to have that dialogue. Cause maybe, mm-hmm. they, maybe they've just never thought about it, but maybe they have a reason. Right. right. So, and, and you just don't know until you ask. Right. I think a, a great example that I, I, I that, that came to me, um, that I was, uh, listening to a, a sort of, uh, a debate about before, um, is the, uh, I don't know if you know, um, she's a YouTuber. Her name's, uh, Blair White. She's, she's trans and she often throws around words like tranny and, and, um, you know, she's sort of right wing and, um, you know, other trans people have called her out on that saying, you know, you are, you are perpetuating, uh, negative, negative words that people are allowed to use after that. And they point to your content as justification. And, um, you know, it's kind of, that's where it's sort of not so, not so black and white because you have to ask yourself, well, what is this person's goal and what is what they really think? And what's the narrative that they're trying to push the audience that they're trying to garner, um, and things like that. Uh, yeah, I think it matters like how, I mean, I would say again, because like that's her community and I think she gets to have a relationship with that word if she wants to use it, um, you know, and certainly there are, there are repercussions, I think, to, depending on like how, you know, how is she, is she using it in a, like as a slur against other people like her or herself? Is she using it in like more of, um, you know, kind of like a jocular way Or, you know, is it like, yeah, I don't know. But I also think that like her use of that word, I don't know that anybody gets to say, well, you say it and and you say that loud in front of people. So like you're giving other people permission to do that. No, you're not like people are making their own decisions. And if they feel like, I mean, I don't, I don't really understand the argument that like if she's a trans person and she's saying that word out loud that that gives other people permission to do it. That's why I say about the N-word too, is like people go, oh, well, why can't we say that the N-word? Well, you can, but like, I'm also not going to stop, you know, Tyrone on the street if he beats your ass when you say right. it. Like, as a matter of fact, I'm probably going to laugh. Right. Like, you get to say what the hell you want to say. But like, depending on who you are and the way that you're using that word, like, you're there will be consequences for that. But mm-hmm. that's, it's not... You know, it's like not that community's issue that someone else chose to misuse that word. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. I, guess... I mean, uh, well, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> oh, um, I mean, I just speaking from something that I can, I can relate to personally, like words like bitch and slut and that kind of stuff. Um, just, you know, like a lot of girls myself included will like jokingly call your girlfriend a bitch you'd be like bitch what you doing and you know and and but also like i've been called a bitch by men who don't like the way i'm acting right so yeah context matters and it's really interesting now that i think about it because um tina fey there's like that great line in mean girls that i always really liked where she's like you have to stop 
calling each other bitches and sluts because it just makes it okay for men to do that too. Which is like, yeah, there's some truth to that. But on the other hand, she has that great uh, thing with Amy Poehler on SNL about bitches gets shit done, right? Yeah. And so, you know, there's there's context to it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think you'd actually have a conversation where I was like, I don't agree with that at all. I mean, it's a good line, but I don't agree. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think it goes, I think it goes back to this issue, though, which is like, you know, like that is a term that is a gendered term. It mm-hmm. just is. And so if I want to be like, hey, bitch, what are you doing today? <laughs> like that doesn't give like that doesn't give anybody permission to do anything. Like, yeah, that is about my relationship to that word calls me permission and to call our me relationship <laughs> with each other. And if some dude can use the word bitch if he wants to and if he gets fucking dragged for it. That's his fault. Right. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, and me saying that to my girlfriend, like, doesn't, like, that wasn't an, an excuse for him. That didn't give him permission. He just chose to say it. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I think one of the things about it that we, we have to ask is, as content creators, um, you know, what our responsibility is. Like, the uh, going back to kind of what we talked about earlier, you know, where I try to tell my, you know, try to tell my aunt, hey, Birtherism is racist. And her reply is, well, uh, Sheriff Clark is black and he wants to see Obama's birth <laughs> certificate. Like it's it's I, I think in in a vacuum of term or, of things. Yeah, you can't tell, uh, uh, you know, Sheriff Clark as a black person. Hey, don't use the N word. That's bad. Obviously, you can't do that. But 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 within full context, you can say, hey, you know, just because he's black doesn't mean he is uh, immune to sort of placating that that racism and pushing that forward. Um, and, and then it becomes, sure. you know, and, and so it is sort of that responsibility to to your audience. You have to kind of find the balance of, you know, who am I talking to? And what are they going to pull from this message? And how much of it is their responsibility of what they pull from what I say? And how much of it is my responsibility of understanding the audience that I'm speaking to and what they are going to glean from what I'm saying? Um, and I think, yeah, you know, with. I think, yeah, but like all language has a context. Right. I mean, like, obviously, I. I'm talking differently to you than I would to like my boss. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like I, uh, yeah. So I I definitely understand what you're saying. And we certainly all have, I think, you know, I grew up in a white supremacist society period in a white supremacist country. I had tons of internalized racism that I had to undo. Mm -hmm. And I think that we all have that on some level. So you're, I think you're right. And, and learning that, um, learning that can be difficult in in situations where maybe like lang- people are using language irresponsibly mm-hmm. um yeah but again i think it it's just one of those things where it's it's hard to have like hard and fast rules about these things right of course without context right and that's yeah. the interesting thing i think about the the uh, another interesting thing about the the world that we're in with technology you know that just regular people are able to reach mass amounts of people and so you don't have these people who are are polished and have a team behind them, you know, going over their scripts or going over their talking points and and helping them with the way that they're going to use the words that they're going to use and be very deliberate with the things that they're going to say. Um, and so I think it does raise all sorts of new questions that we haven't had to ask of content creators before because the barrier to entry is so low that... Uh, it is sort of new yeah. problems that we haven't had to face before in a way um, 
unique to these new and easy to enter mediums. I mean, the good news is, though, that it's easy to enter now because, you know, 20, 30 years ago, how did you get a platform? You got on TV or, you know, were a movie star or whatever. And that primarily benefited white people and men. And now anyone can make a YouTube video or a podcast or write a blog. Like, it's very easy to do. And so that gets more voices out there that maybe would have been silenced before. Yeah, I think also, you know, the upside too is that like we have the ability to put this kind of content out where we're having these discussions and so people have access to, uh, you know, um, to to us kind of parsing and trying to understand uh, these issues. I think it's it's really important. So I'm, I'm glad you're asking these questions for sure. They're definitely yeah. worthwhile questions to ask. And, you know, we're not going to solve it here. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, I really, well, if I sound like I know what I'm doing or I'm talking about, it's all a, it's all a lie. It's, <laughs> it's all an elaborate ruse. I have no idea. I have no answers. Also, I'm just, just doing the best note, Chris, Can you hear my dog snoring? I need I, to know if I need to wake her up and send her to another room. I can't hear it. Um, but uh, it's so loud. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I wouldn't worry too much. I record uh, okay. all of my audio in this shed in my backyard uh, that is right, like five feet away from a busy street. Um, Got it. So okay. I pick up the, the occasional. Uh, in the world. <laughs> I pick up the occasional bro with his uh, big muffler. So oh. I mean, oh boy, oh, fun. <laughs> oh, fun. Okay, I just wanted to to make sure. We'll just pretend like Daisy's a muffler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we recorded. We recorded another. This is a quick aside. We recorded another podcast uh, with uh, uh, with Liz, Liz's boyfriend Brad, and my boyfriend Kyle. And uh, in the first episode, the dog was in the crate and she was pawing at the door, and you could hear it on the recording. And one just goes, "Oh, that's our prisoner. Don't worry about it." <laughs> <laughs> no explanation. Yeah, just oh, it's fine. That's our prisoner. He's, it was wonderful. He's restless. <laughs> Just moving right along. So, <laughs> so we have um, to be creative with the ways that we explain Daisy sounds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, um, you know, that's a uh, a much happier note to wrap things up on than um, oh, yeah. the daunting <laughs> task of, uh, <laughs> of fighting all of these, uh, <laughs> these systems of society. Uh, <laughs> so uh, let's wrap up there. I think that's a good place Perfect. to uh, to sort of wrap everything up at. Um and the last thing that I want to, you know, get out there is um, if, if the audience, uh, you know, likes what they're hearing here um, and wants to hear more from you guys, where do they go? Liz has got a social media dance that I, she does. I she sure talks do. about this. Someday we're going to get to do a live show and everyone's actually going to get to see it. It's going to be great. Um, right. So um, our podcast is called Your Fave is Problematic and we're all over the place. We have um, an Instagram and a Twitter. Uh, it's uh, at podcast YFIP. They can email us at problematicfavepodcast at gmail.com. And then we're on Facebook. It's just Your Fave is Problematic Podcast. You can go like and follow that page. And then we have a discussion group, which I know we talked about earlier in the in the podcast. Uh, it's just problematic or 
excuse me, your fave is problematic podcast group. And it's just a discussion group. Usually people will talk about the most recent episode or people will throw up like, Hey, here's this interesting thing I found, or here's a list of like problematic books that we love or just anything like that. We had a really great topic in there this week where someone was like, can we talk about the cultural appropriation of like my six year old daughter dressing as Moana for Halloween? It turned into a really, really wonderful dialogue. It was great. So um, the group is, if you're really feeling it, I would definitely get in the group it's my favorite part of the internet right now <laughs> um so those are kind of the places via us other than that you know the podcasts on all platforms for the most part so wherever you're listening to this you can probably listen to our show too truly awesome and i recommend uh listeners go check out that group i'm a part of it and i i i love being in there um it, it is Thank really thanks great conversation yeah i love having <laughs> you in there thanks for having it you know I, I i think that like you said the conversations that are being that are that are taking place in there are are uh really interesting ones in there some things that uh as somebody who is also still working on their wokeness very good conversations mm-hmm. to have <laughs> yeah all right. Well, well hey, yeah, thank- we we definitely we love having the ribbon. We we are grateful for literally anyone who cares enough to go and interact <laughs> with that. Yeah. So, yeah, we we love it. Yeah. So again, thanks. Yeah, it's good. It's good people in there right now. And like I said, people are bringing up issues that I didn't even think about. I was like, oh, well, I haven't thought about this, but now I have to. And um, it, yeah, it's just been really good. And we're getting um, you know topic suggestions for episodes in there. So it's yeah, it's a it's a good it's a good bunch. It is. And, and I want to thank you guys um, for taking time out of your day um, and for taking extra time out of your day with uh, all <laughs> the problems that we were having there at the beginning um, no, it's that okay. nobody has to hear. Um, and uh, Exactly. Those are just for us. Yeah. So... <laughs> So thank you guys again for taking time to come on the show. I had a, I, I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, I did too. Thanks so much for for inviting us on. We loved it. This was fun. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Well, hey, you guys have a great rest of your weekend. That does it for this week's episode. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this show on whatever app you are using to listen so you don't miss a single episode. If you like anything you've heard today, links, as always, are in the show notes. To find us on social media or to send us an email, check out thepodcastingcouch.com and just follow the links to wherever you want to go. As always, this is the Podcasting Couch. I'm Chris Carlson. Be decent. The Podcasting Couch is executive produced by Sirenicide and is completely listener funded. To contribute to the show and help us bring you new shows every week, visit www.patreon.com slash thepodcastingcouch and become a producer. Be decent.